XY Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. Hey, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be here today with Brian Sullivan, head of Sullivan Engineering out of Manhattan. Physically, he's located in New Jersey right now as, as we are all dealing with this pandemic and are sheltering in place and working from home as, as kind of the new normal. But uh, without further ado, Brian Sullivan, how are you doing today? Randy, thank you very much. It's an honor to be on the podcast. I'm a big fan of it and uh, honored to be speaking with you. And all things considered, we're doing well. It's a beautiful day in New Jersey. So uh, we're happy to have the nice weather. That's good. That's good. Well, listen, one of the reasons why I wanted to connect with you is just to kind of find out how you know, a firm that theoretically is at the epicenter of this crisis. I mean, New York has been really hard hit with the pandemic. Um, how are you guys faring? Um, why don't you just tell, first of all, tell our audience just a little bit about Sullivan Engineering, the scope of the work that you guys do, and 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 then we can move into how you have had to modify things in the in the fake in the wake of COVID nineteen. Sure, thanks, Randy. Uh, so I started Sullivan Engineering uh, ten years ago. We just celebrated our anniversary last week. Uh, not exactly how we wanted to celebrate the anniversary with a virtual team party, but such is life. Uh, we handle restoration of the building envelope. So anything on the outside of a building, facades, roofs, windows, sidewalks, sidewalk vaults, et cetera. Um, I, as I mentioned, I started the company about 10 years ago. Most of our work is in uh, the Northeast uh, and centered around New York City and the New York metro area. We do have some projects up in Massachusetts, which has also been hit pretty hard by COVID-19. Um, so, you know, the adjustments we've had to make, the pivots we've had to make have, have been a little bit interesting, but appear at this point to be very temporary. Uh, when I say we handle building envelope restoration, most of our work is driven by compliance. So either compliance with a facade ordinance uh, developed by New York City, which requires every building to be inspected every five years, or because someone has a leak. Uh, we used to always joke that nobody wants to bring a building envelope consultant onto the property. 
Uh, nobody ever wants to fix the outside of the building and fix their roof, just like homeowners don't want to replace their roof. Um, they have to, uh, and they're calling us if they have to. And, and in most times, uh, that doesn't mean you're the, most, the biggest celebrity on the site, but in these times, uh, it's kind of a blessing because people still have to do the work uh, and they know that they have to do it. So uh, from our point, uh, you know, and these are projects that get budgeted years in advance. So uh, out of the 65 active projects we have, only two of them were postponed to 2021. Wow. As of right now, uh, most of them have been put on pause uh, and are ready to start as soon as work um, starts up again, as soon as the governor in New York allows us to get back out there. Um, so we have kept uh, a full staff. Uh, everybody's working from home, working on their Sullivan University courses. Uh, we just rolled out our intranet uh, with the great team from Knowledge Architecture. So everybody's getting very familiar with that and making sure the content is up to date. Uh, and we're, we did a new uh, field reporting software, so everybody's doing the training on that as well. Um, so we're getting ready. We anticipate a very, very busy second half of Q2 and then Q3 and Q4. Uh, but that's more driven by the nature of our specific niche, I think. Yeah. Wow. So when I think of building envelopes, I mean, there are so many. I mean, growing up, we talked about this growing up outside of uh, Manhattan and in Teaneck, New Jersey, going over to the city all the time. I mean, there's just an enormous number of buildings, obviously. So there's it's it's almost an embarrassment of riches when it comes to opportunity, I would imagine, for you guys. There is a tremendous amount of opportunity and our niche is a pretty small niche, um, pretty focused niche. Uh, there is a lot of opportunity. The DOB states that there's 100,000 buildings in New York City over five stories. Uh, and that's just within the five boroughs of New York City. That doesn't count areas like northern New Jersey and, and Westchester uh, and Long Island. So uh, there is a tremendous amount of work to be done. And, and um, you know, the buildings are only getting older. Yeah, that that they are only getting older. I mean, some of them are quite majestic as that at that, but uh, I would imagine even those good-looking buildings and I'm thinking of like the Flatiron building of course, which is that iconic structure in uh, in in Manhattan that um looks like an uh well, looks like a flat iron. So <laughs> it's just it's a, it's been featured in that movie John Wick and and uh and a few other movies. I mean, you've it's it's so iconic. You've seen it and you, maybe you didn't realize what it was, but there's just so much history uh, and I'm sure you have to kind of weigh uh, that aspect of it when dealing with these uh, these uh, envelope projects. You do. You have to take that into account where, uh, you know, sometimes the building owner may not have the budget to do uh, everything that they need to do. But you do have to preserve some of the history that's involved, uh, particularly when you come to buildings of that nature, landmark structures. Yeah. So so tell me, uh, how many people are you guys now? We're at 26. Okay. So, so, so when, when this whole, uh, COVID-19 pandemic happened and, and, it, you know, when it first started and then, you know, I remember when New York shut down, how did you approach it? I mean, what were, what was your communication to your team and, and what have you been, I, I, I guess, has, has the message stayed on point since the beginning? What, have, what were you, what have you been saying to your people? Sure. Uh, the message from the start was that we've got to be flexible and, and the message is likely to change consistently. Uh, and if there's anything consistent about this, it's that things have changed a lot. Yeah. Um, we, we had coincidentally had a leadership team meeting on March 10th, which was the Tuesday. Um, and we started, uh, you know, we had started planning for this two weeks prior. Uh, but on March 10th uh, was when we realized just how aggressive this was going to be. Uh, so that Friday, March 13th, we announced that we wanted people working from home on March 16th to test what it would be like to work from home. 
Mm-hmm. And then we'd all be back in the office in theory on March 17th. And we were going to do alternating shifts uh, where only half the company was allowed in the office on Tuesdays and Thursdays and the others Mondays and Wednesdays, et cetera. Right. That weekend, if you recall, uh, March 14th and 15th, especially in New York, things uh, accelerated very, very quickly. Um, so by the time we got around to March 16th, uh, no one was, uh, you know, things had changed drastically and we knew this was going to be, a, we'd be staying at home for a while. So uh, we quickly pivoted and then had everybody just stay at home from there. And we've all been working from home since that point. Um, the New York City DOB and New York State recently expanded what they consider to be essential projects. Um, so we do have some projects that are working. As of this week, they've started back up again. So uh, essentially, this is really the first time we're back in the field since March 20th, where we're back out doing the field. Based on the time of year, we were a little bit fortunate in that we were still doing some design and getting projects ready to start. Um, So you mentioned before um, the Flatiron Building, that's governed by New York City Landmarks Commission. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had a couple of other landmarks projects. The Landmarks Commission stayed uh, working pretty much this entire time from home. Uh, and like many of us actually have been able to turn things around a lot faster. Uh, we've been fortunate working with the Landmarks Commission. They've been working from home, working digitally, as has the DOB has switched to work digitally. So a lot of the paperwork we would do in, a, in advance of a project, we've been able to continue to do uh, and get ourselves set to start these projects as soon as the pause is over. Yeah. You know, and I, I got to wonder, you know, and I think this is the question that everybody's asking. And, and we I have broached it with other people that have been on the podcast since this pandemic started. Um, but, you know, this just obviously this whole idea of working from home and, and, and some of the flexibility of remote working and even and even interacting with your clients the way that you are. What do you anticipate to be the change when all of when all of the dust settles? Uh, with this. And, and again, I, I, and I'm, and I just, for the whole audience to understand when I say the dust settling, I don't ever think we're going back to the the way that we used to be. I think it'll be a new scenario, but, but in your mind, what do you, what do you think is, how are you guys dealing with that? And what do you think is going to happen? Uh, so for us uh, personally, at Sullivan engineering, you know, it's funny. I uh, was always a fan of working from home until I became a business owner. Yeah. <laughs> and then my mindset changed. Uh, and I got, you know, and it, it happens. I got burned early on by somebody who was supposed to be working from home and they weren't. Right. And yeah. um, I then, which often happens, used a company mindset based off of one incident, right? Um, and now seeing how productive our team is at working from home, I think we'll be more flexible with that going forward. Yeah. But we also see the side of how much our people miss each other. Mm. Right. And they do miss that personal engagement with each other. Uh, So I don't see us switching to the, you know, I don't see us getting rid of our office in Manhattan. Uh, I don't see any of that. Uh, I do see, um, though, the flexibility of having people work from home more than I would have thought, but also having certain times where teams are required to be in the office at the same time so that they can collaborate with each other, see each other, connect on a personal level. Um, We as a group or a social group. Uh, so we will want to continue to do that, but, uh, I definitely am impressed with the amount of work we've been able to get done from home. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah. And I think that is, um, that's kind of the way that it is, right. You know, in terms of people working together, I, I think that, um, that, uh, one of the things that I always tell people whenever I've done like Zwei group 
training programs like project management training is that I look around the room and I say, listen, we spend more time with these people in the room referring to teammates on a team at at a company than sometimes we do with our own family. So it's a, how do you continue to foster that type of relationship if you go exclusively to remote work? And, you know, I get it that there are firms out there that do that. There are some design firms that actually remote work exclusively. But my thing is, how do you, you have to maintain or foster that relationship that happens, that camaraderie that exists between coworkers? Agreed. And, and I think it requires a lot more intentionality. Uh, we have a few people on our team who've been really intentional about making sure they're reaching out to others, uh, and they're the ones who have stayed the most connected. Uh, it takes a lot more effort. You're not passing people in the hallway. You're not just organically bumping into them. So you have to make an effort. Uh, there's a few of them that actually have a checklist and are making sure they're communicating with everyone. Um, and, and I think that's really uh, very wise. Uh, and I have actually copied that as well and started to do that. I mean, you, you, that is that is perfect. I, I need that as well. I mean, we all need kind of a reminder of, hey, I got to check in with this person or I have to check in with that person. One thing that I do, and you might appreciate this, is, is, is what I've done during this whole pandemic. And I, I used to do it anyway, but I do this whole chat roulette where text roulette where I uh, every morning I reach out to five people that I haven't had, I haven't spoken to in a while. And I'll just send them a check, uh, a text and check in with them and just see how you're doing. And it's not to ask for anything. It's really more just to check in. And, you know, what I'm hearing from people is that, man, it's so refreshing to hear, to just have conversation with somebody that actually cares. And a lot of times this works, especially when you, when you connect with clients, right? I was telling somebody earlier that clients don't, uh, friends don't fire friends. Meaning that if you have a real relationship with a client where you guys are, it's not transactional, but you're really friends, then it's a whole different conversation. Communication's different. Um, issues that come up are treated differently because you have a tangible relationship. And I think a lot of that is just born out of what you said, that word that you used earlier, which I think sometimes is, is not used enough, intentionality. And I my intentionality, and I've encouraged other people to do this, is I try to and I've, I've even ramped it up during this pandemic is to do that. I, I just pick five people. I go through my text scroll. I, I pick five people and I reach out. And now I'm back to the point where I'm reaching out to some people I hadn't heard from since 2015, 2016, when I first got back to Zwei Group. And it's been interesting connecting with those folks. But there, I, I just, I, th- I think there's something for that. And even the young engineer and young architect can learn a lot uh, by trying that, by, by not making things so transactional in, in the way that they do their work. You know, and I think a lot of it, too, is getting beyond our own insecurity, Randy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had a client that I've been tracking down for a while, and he's, he's a, a big potential client for us, a great guy, but he was so busy uh, that every time I had a meeting scheduled with him, he had to cancel at the last minute. Yeah. And I said, you know what, let me try and, and schedule a Zoom call with him while we're home. So I had a Zoom call with him yesterday, and he was clearly in his basement of his house, and I was clearly in uh, my bedroom uh, working from the desk, and you could see that. And we had a con- we didn't talk about work at all. We just had a regular conversation, and the conversation ended after about 20 minutes when his three-year-old was screaming his name, calling him, and my four-year-old was barreling down my door. You just can't <laughs> connect with clients like that in an office and in a setting. Um, that's yeah. a you know he and I will be laughing about that for years to come, and and that's a way you don't. But it took me getting beyond my own insecurity to reach out to him and be comfortable having a Zoom call with him 
from settings that that aren't as professional as as I would prefer, right? Yeah, um, yeah. The other thing that that I forgot to mention before, as far as communication with the team, and and it, it doubles back to that insecurity thing, I send a video message to my team every single morning, uh, with just some sort of positive message, realistic optimism. Uh, the first message I sent, I edited about eight times and reshot it eight different times. Uh, now I shoot it once and I send it. That's uh, it. And that's it. And, yeah. and just, you know, there's mistakes in it. There's landscapers walking in the background, whatever it is. Um, but the team really, really appreciates it. And they don't care that there's mistakes. They don't care that that's human. That's, you know, that's who we are. Uh, but just one simple little message. And I was shocked at how much they appreciated it. Uh, and it took me a few days to even say, hey, you know, who am I to send this to the team? Does it really matter? Um, and they, they really welcomed it because we don't see each other. So they were happy yeah. to get updates on the rest of the company. So now is that, now I know you've been putting out a lot of videos on social media and that's the other thing is that for, as a leader of a design firm, you are actually really active on social media and you have used that platform, I think in, in a way that it should be used from a leadership perspective in this space. I know a lot of times we don't see it enough. Um, those, those videos, are you just sending to your team or is that, are those some of the videos that I've seen online that you've posted on LinkedIn and elsewhere? No, it's different videos. So those ones I send just to my team every single morning. And then yeah. I do different videos that I've been posting to LinkedIn to share with our bigger community uh, based on some of the conversations I've had. And uh, talk about trying to get over insecurities. When you when I look back and see that there's 3,000 views of those videos, I go, man, I look really bald and chubby in those things. What am I doing? Uh, but it, it's, you know, where else am I going to get 3,000 views at this time? And, and, you know, just to share some of the information that we're all going through um, to me. And I, I love seeing other people sharing the same thing because we're all literally all in this together and all trying to figure out how we're going to get through this together. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I want to encourage people out there, please, if you are a, firm, a design firm leader uh, or an owner, you need to take uh, a cue from Brian in terms of how he push, pushes things out there. And we'll make sure that we put your information, Brian, in the show notes so people can kind of check you out on LinkedIn and, and other platforms that you use, I think, in, in a really good way. And I love the idea of sending out a, a daily video message. It's the easiest thing to do. And I'm glad you're not obsessing about it anymore. You're just hitting record and sending it because that's keeping it real. And I, I know that if I was working for someone like you, um, it would resonate with me a lot more that you were being A, willing to be transparent and B, showing that you care and providing some type of information on a regular basis. It's huge. And I think now more than ever before, we need valuable information. And if, 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 if there's no other place where we can control it, it's within our own companies. Yeah, absolutely. People are craving information now. Nobody, uh, and nobody can predict really what the future is, but the more information you have, you can make intelligent decisions. Uh, we've subscribed to uh, 100% transparency company for probably the last five years for sure, uh, where we share everything. So in times like this, if we were to stop sharing, uh, then people's imaginations are only inclined to, to run away with it, right? right? So we share now where we are. Uh, you know, uh, we were blessed uh, to have received our PPP loan. Uh, yes. And we shared that and, and celebrated that with the entire team. So everybody knew. Uh, and what that really means for everybody. Uh, you know, that means we, we have to keep our full-time equivalent count through the end of June. We want to. We right. have to, and now yeah. and now we have the ability. So just letting people know that that hey, you're safe, you're secure. Um, you know, I, I think really means a lot. I know it would mean a lot to me, so that's why we share it with our team. 
Yeah, no, I you're absolutely right. And I know um, a, about a week or two ago, I think Chad Kleinens um, that uh, put out a, a message that they had that Zweig was um, was eligible for and received some PPP help. And and uh, it, it and, and one of the ways that he wanted to pay it forward was by, by certainly reaching out to firms and saying, "Hey, we're here to help any way that we can." And I think everybody that that does receive the PPP, it, it's a it's an injection that, if nothing else, gives you uh, a little bit more uh, wiggle room to work with more than anything else. And, and so, so I, a, I encourage people to get those applications in if they haven't already done so, um, no matter when you're listening to this recording and if it's, if it's way, way in the future, that's fine too. But I mean, everybody needs to take advantage of it. Um, Brian, tell me a little bit about, you know, the whole mindset behind, uh, Sullivan university and, and just, you know, your focus or emphasis on, professional and personal development um what what how did that come about was it was that something that you said you know when i start my own firm i want to make sure that we do this or was this something that was kind of born out of a uh, of a group of people coming together saying how can we continue to improve our workplace it was definitely born out of something i wanted to do from when i started the company um and then just blossomed from having the right people on the team um, some of our values at, at Sullivan are forward thinking, empower people. Uh, we want people that are life learners uh, as well. Uh, for me, uh, I wasn't the best student when I should have been a good student. Uh, and then when I got Guilty. into the working world, <laughs> uh, when I was when my family was paying for me to be a student, I wasn't a great student. Once I was getting paid out in the working world, all of a sudden I realized um, just how much education was beneficial for me. Um, and I craved uh, information uh, from an education uh, from that point on uh, and really pursued it. So it was something I wanted to do with the company. Uh, when we started, uh, one of our first team members, Adam, he was trying to put together something for us um, for what we didn't know at that time was knowledge management. Uh, and we created a wiki page and the wiki page just became a, you know, a never ending pile of information. Um, and it wasn't until we met the team from Knowledge Architecture that we found a real good structure that we liked, and we rolled out our intranet within the company just this past uh, two months, actually. Um, timing was perfect. Um, and then we've been working on Sullivan University, uh, where previously it was outside courses we were using. Now it's inside courses that we've been teaching. Uh, we started with one in 2018, five last year, and we'll have another 20 finished uh, within the next month or so here. Wow. Uh, and, the, and the goal is to continue that uh, internally and eventually uh, potentially externally if there's a demand for it. Okay. So just out of curiosity, because, you know, the trainer in me wants to know uh, how, how what's the, the skew between um, classes that are technically related versus those that deal with more soft skills? Right now, uh, it's the technical uh, is okay. pretty heavy. Okay. Uh, but the, uh, the first seven or eight classes were technical. Uh, but I have a class right now uh, that I'm preparing on um, being a little bit of a visionary and forward thinking and, and what's what that means. Uh, also doing one is what it means to be a business owner, uh, because we have some people on our team that I think at their own point will either want to be an owner within Sullivan or start their own business. So I want to help them as much as I can. Uh, our, our controller is rolling out a course on finance. Our HR guys rolling out a course on recruitment. Um, and uh, marketing as well as sales are all doing courses. So uh, that skew will change to probably 60, 40, 60 technical, 40, non. Um, and the, the personal finance one, I think, is the one we're all really going to like as well. 
Oh, that's awesome. So are are you creating the personal finance or are you kind of using like a like a Dave Ramsey, you know, uh, personal finance at work type program? Right now, we've been uh, we have a recommended reading list as well. Uh, and uh, two of Dave's books, uh, The Total Money Makeover and Entree Leadership are on uh, the recommended reading list. Yeah. Um, so right now, the finance, the course that we're working on right now is more related to projects. And the next one is the personal finance course. Uh, yeah. And then that, um, uh, you know, we'll see where that goes. We've got a couple of people that want to offer input into it. But in my opinion, we might be better off just taking something from Dave or someone like Dave uh, who really specializes in it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No financial piece at work. I've actually done that. And, uh, I actually was a financial peace, um, trainer for, I've done financial peace university at my church and some other places. So it's definitely worth doing. Uh, I will share this statistic with you, which I think you might find helpful is that, um, and this is, uh, based on the natural national financial literacy board, but for every dollar that a company spends, on financial literacy for their employees, they get a three to one return on their investment. So take that for what it's worth. I've always said that if you teach your people um, how to, you know, how to do things outside of just what they have to do for, for nine to five, that it will benefit them in the long run. It, it is a huge retention tool. It is a huge recruitment tool. And the minute that you start having testimonials from people in your company to say, hey, Brian took me through this training and then two years later I was debt free or I paid off my student loans or whatever. I mean, you can't pay for that type of advertising and that type of sentiment that's created within your team creates um, uh, creates longevity with your employees. So I think it's huge. Yeah, uh, tremendous. Uh, that's a great point. Those types of testimonials is, would be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you said something a, a little while ago that I, I it didn't go over my head at all. You said something very clearly, which I don't always hear a lot of design firm owners say is that um, should an employee ultimately decide to leave and go off and start their own, you're not operating from a mindset of, well, it, I don't want them to leave me. And if they leave me, then forget them. You're, you're, you're taking a, a much different approach to it, almost like a lot of um, uh, tech companies do when they create space for their people to try different things or like Google famously allowed uh, their employees to spend 20% of their efforts working on a pet project, which ultimately become bigger things. Like for a lot of people don't realize this, but Gmail was a pet project at Google. And you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's so you, you think and like you're saying, oh, well, this is this will never, nothing will ever become of it. You never know. And so I, I'm just curious, how did you develop that comfort level? I guess that would be the best question. How, how as an owner, as a, as a design firm owner and a leader in an industry where, you know, let's face it, finding good talent is one of the biggest challenges that you face. You, you know that. I know that. Most people listening to this podcast know that. How did you find a comfort level with that type of mindset where, you know, you'd be willing to train somebody up and ultimately they could become your competitor. There's two different, uh, there's two different things I want to go into with that. One is that um, I genuinely, and I mean this, Randy, and I say to our team all the time, I genuinely love everyone on our team and I want what's best for them. And if ultimately what's best for them is that they're not part of Sullivan Engineering and they start their own thing, then who am I to stop them? 
right? If I genuinely love them and I genuinely want what's best for them and that's what's best for them, then why would I begrudge them that? Uh, and the second part of that is, you know, we all know we have competitors and some are friendly competitors who operate in the same mindset we do. And some are not so friendly competitors who maybe we don't like the way they operate their business. The more friendly competitors we have that we respect and, and operate in a very similar mindset with a clear set of core values and do things the right way, the better we all are. Uh, you know, as we mentioned before, it's almost an embarrassment of riches in New York City, right? There's a tremendous pie. I don't want 100% of the pie. I'll never get 100% of the pie. So who am I to choose who gets that the remaining portion of that pie? Right. right? Why can't we wish everyone the best and, and um, send them into it? I mean, I went into starting my own business unbelievably naive. And I say, thank God I was because <laughs> I might not have done it. <laughs> I wasn't so naive. But I want to prep uh, anybody that's going to do it to, to be as well prepared as they possibly can. Yeah. Oh, man, I love that. That 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 will. um as they say, that will preach that I really like that mindset. And I, and I hope that uh, especially those other design firm owners and leaders that are listening to this understand that you get so much more with your hand open than with it closed in a fist. Right. I mean, you just think of it that way. I mean, there's there's so many different ways that you can help others. And in, in the process, you end up helping yourself. And I believe that's what you're that's what you're doing at Sullivan Engineering, Brian. So I certainly commend you on that. Um, any any last thoughts for um, those that are listening that might be going through? Maybe they don't have you know, the backlog of work that you have right now and, and maybe the opportunity sitting on the horizon that you do, because as you know, when New York City opens back up again, you know, not that it's necessarily going to be business as usual, but you have business to go back to. What, what, what kind of advice or encouragement would you have for those firm owners out there that, you know, that may not be looking, their horizon may not be as clear as yours is? Yeah, I think one of the things I like to think about, and, and I've been talking with some other business owners that are in completely different industries, people in catering, uh, they're just decimated, right? Yeah. This is taking a lot longer than we probably thought back on March 13th, mm -hmm. but it is only temporary. So I think the, the mindset of looking out three years and trying to think of where we want to be three years from now, and then how do we get there, right? Hopefully, uh, COVID-19 is, is a, a memory in the past three years from now, right? So what do we want ourselves to look like, our personal lives to look like, and our businesses to look like? And we may need to pivot temporarily, like the catering companies uh, that had to pivot temporarily. And that may, be become their, that may be their Gmail, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, or it just might be a temporary pivot that they knew, need to do to keep their head above water. And then two years from now, they're going to be back doing their catering and crushing it again at doing that. But I think just, you know, keeping uh, an idea, yeah, you obviously have to look at the day to day, uh, but pulling our head up out of it and looking three years down the road to try to figure out what we want to do uh, is vitally important right now as well, uh, as much as just looking at how do we keep the lights on. Absolutely. Well, I love that. Um, so as we, so, so finishing up here, um, favorite quote that you have that really motivates you on a regular basis or one that resonates with you um, at all times? I'm putting you on the um, now. <laughs> I, uh, you would think I'd be prepared for that. Um, but I do like quite a few from a, a gentleman by the name of Dan Sullivan. Sure. Um, and one, um, I'm probably not going to get it right, but is, uh, confidence is the most important capability that an entrepreneur can develop. Right. Yes. Uh, no, that's perfect. I love that. I love that. Is there a, um, is there a book or anything that you have read recently that has really moved you or stirred you from a business perspective? 
Yeah, I think the one that I just finished now was perfectly timed. Uh, it's called The Power of a Positive Team by John okay. Gordon. Yep. Um, and it's uh, I just finished it, and it's all about uh, keeping positive. Uh, I think we have to be realistic, but we also have to be optimistic during these times. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I, I know you you put out a video which got a lot of responses on LinkedIn, which is one of my favorite books by Hal Elrod, The Miracle Morning Makeover. I'm a, I'm a Miracle Morning, huge Miracle Morning fan. And that really helped me out about five or six years ago when I first read it. But um, what was the one big takeaway for you in reading that book? I think the power of journaling was tremendously, it was something I never thought of how powerful that would be. And when I talked to a, a few uh, fellow business owners, uh, one of which being a very, very big and strong guy, not someone you would expect would journal. Uh, he told me about how uh, much of a benefit it's been for him to give him a clear mind yeah. and to help him sleep at night. Uh, and that's tremendous. So uh, journaling, I never thought how great that would be. And, and really, for me, it's writing down my gratitudes in that journal, what I'm grateful for. Uh, so I'm not going ahead to sleep with the 10 things on my mind that are stressing me out. Uh, I'm going to sleep with the three things that I'm so grateful for. Oh man, that, I, I love that. So we, we'll we'll put a pin in it with that because I'm I'm a huge journal fan and and I actually for the past I don't know three or four years when I've done project management training when I do the whole communication piece and I talk about those areas that's one of the things that I encourage all engineers and architects to do is to find some time to journal get some things out of their head and onto paper and you'll find that it really it really helps you out considerably. So surprisingly powerful for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Brian Sullivan, if anybody wants to reach out and connect with you um, to, to, to learn a little bit more about your secret sauce, what's the best way for them to reach you? Sure. Uh, I'd be happy to take an email at bsullivan at sullivanengineeringllc.com. Don't forget the LLC. Sure. Or they can call me at 973-706-8584. Eight five eight four. Okay, we will put all that in the show notes. Brian, thank you so much. I know you have another meeting to get to. I'm I'm so glad that we had a chance to do this. We finally got together um, to do this podcast, and you really shared some nuggets of wisdom that I think all of our audience will really appreciate. So thank you so much, and uh, I wish you and uh, Sullivan Engineering, your whole team there, nothing but the best. And uh, I look forward to continuing to stay in touch. with you and learn from you actually. And, and so, you know, just realize that, you know, like they say, more is caught than taught. So uh, observation is huge and I'm observing uh, what your practices are. And and I thank you for that. Thank you, Randy. I'm a big fan of yours and the team as well. I love what you're doing. So uh, keep up the great work. Thanks, Randy. Yes, sir. All right. Absolutely. You have a great day. Well, folks, there you have it. Uh, another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. It was so great to have Brian Sullivan on the show today. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you gained some insight from Brian's experience with his great team there at Sullivan Engineering. Again, everything that we discussed, we'll put all that in the show notes today and any additional information. And we'll even get a transcript for you of this particular episode so that you can maybe read along. I know some people like to read versus listening or do both of them. So whatever your um, prerogative is, we will help you out with that. We really appreciate you supporting what we're doing here at Zweig Group. I just want to continue to encourage you to read the Zweig Letter, which is probably one of the industry's longest running newsletters for basically three decades. And uh, there's so much great information that's there. And the best part about the Zweig Letter now, I mean, the Zweig Letter used to be 
uh, a revenue, our huge revenue source for the company uh, over the over a million dollars a year when I used to be at Zweig White and Associates. Now we've we've pivoted and made it a just it just it's it's always been a source of information. Now it's free. That's right. You heard it free. So please visit ZweigGroup.com. Subscribe to the Zweig letter. Get it in your inbox every Monday morning. Check it out. Read it. Share it with your team. Discuss what you're learning there. And, um, and you know, it, it, I think you'll find it that it will really help you out. And the insight and information that you get both from this podcast as well as from the Zweig letter uh, can really help you to continue to grow your, your organization, uh, just like Brian Sullivan's doing. So that's all we have for you today. I really appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please reach out to me, rwilburn at zweiggroup.com. I'll respond to your emails. You have any questions, any requests, if you'd like to see uh, a specific individual on the podcast in the future, hit me up, let me know, and I'll get back to you right away. Um, That's all I have for today. We will see you very soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to The Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.